I guess it's a good thing that Paddington is not diabetic. Hello and welcome to this week's Urgent Bite, brought to you by the Royal New Zealand College of Urgent Care. My name is Guy Melrose and today I've been thinking about glucometers. Urgent care is often like the proverbial London bus. You go a while without seeing something and then before you know it you see three in a row. And so it was for me recently with new onset diabetes. People presenting, feeling non-specifically unwell, and in the course of the workup we found them to be hyperglycemic with an eventual diagnosis of diabetes. I find myself looking at the glucometers and marvelling at how clever this bit of kit is. The way it can give you a blood analysis in seconds still feels like something out of Star Trek, despite it being around for years. While I'm aware of other point-of-care tests being available, none have become quite so ubiquitous or cheap as the glucometer, and they're certainly a vital bit of equipment for an urgent care clinic. But with one of my London buses recently, I was struggling to get a reading. It kept saying, error. Based on the other features in the history and the examination, I gave up with the glucometer and the patient had serum bloods and was referred to hospital, where they were found to be hyperglycemic. So the machine was erring due to the height of the reading. But this got me thinking about possible errors that might give you a false high reading. And I do remember being instructed a long time ago to ensure that patients did not have marmalade left on their paws after eating a marmalade sandwich, so I thought I'd refresh myself in this regard. I found a nice paper from 2009 written by Dr Barry Ginsberg in the Journal of Diabetes and Science Technology. It was titled Factors Affecting Blood Glucose Monitoring, Sources of Errors in Measurement. It's an open access paper, so I'd encourage you all to have a quick read through it. It seems there are a number of factors that can affect the readings, and the key ones I want to mention are the strips need to be in date and for the correct machine. Temperature and altitude can also affect readings, and the hematocrit of the patient can cause errors. And the lack of hand washing can also cause a rise in readings. And looking further into that particular cause, I found a paper in the Annals of Medical and Health Science Research from 2016 by a Nigerian team led by a Dr. Olamoyagan, which looked at the effect of handling fruit before taking a blood glucose reading from that hand that had handled the fruit and then had not subsequently been washed. And this showed that the hand that had handled the fruit returned significantly raised blood sugar levels. But this was mitigated by simply washing the hand. And indeed, when you look at most texts that advise patients on how to take their blood sugar readings, they all advise washing the hands before taking the reading. So my first personal take home from this particular musing this week is that it's important to ensure that patients' hands are clean when taking a blood sugar recording. Also, make sure that the strips are correct and in date and stored at the right temperature. 
But my second take home that leads on from this applies to all equipment, really, whether it's your telephone or your sat nav or your electronics manometer or an in-ear th- thermometer or any, any piece of equipment that we use. And there's, we shouldn't trust it blindly. If you're getting a reading that does not fit with what you're expecting, we should always think to recheck. And if need be, check the equipment or try another bit of equipment. A common example is obviously a SATS probe reading, which might say that a patient has oxygen saturations of 68% when they're sitting there looking fine, with no shortness of breath, no difficulty breathing, and their primary concern was not a respiratory problem. This usually turns out to be nail polish on the finger, or a dirty finger, or, or, or some problem with the, with the reader. So when it's obviously a spurious answer, we will usually always reconsider. But we're only as good as the tools we have, so it's important to make sure that they're properly serviced, calibrated, and checked regularly. And if you do have any doubt, it's worth stepping back, try another one, and if in doubt, go with your clinical concern. There are many stories on the internet of people driving into rivers or ditches because they were blindly following their sat-nav rather than using their eyes to evaluate what was actually in front of them on the road. So we must be cautious not to always blindly follow the information that this bit of equipment is giving us and stop and think, does this fit the picture of the patient that I'm actually looking at? Now, if anyone has any tips or tricks about glucometers, do let me know via podcast at rnzcuc.org.nz. As technology continues to improve, I'm sure manufacturers are making big strides in removing any inaccuracies. And the paper I referenced was from 2009, so it would be interesting if any of you have more up-to-date takes on this particular topic. But the link to the paper and the other one from Nigeria is in the show notes, and I would encourage you all to have a read of both of them. They're both open access. Now we'll be back again next week with another podcast. I look forward to seeing you all then. But for now, thanks for listening.